dead, you're not done. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe if I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. of the Lord like they just did, that is our testimony unto the world. And that's what God wants to hear from us. We need to lift up the name of Jesus, amen. He says we overcome by the power of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. Praise God. Let's give God a good hand, praise. That's our testimony. Praise God. Everyone should have a testimony. Hallelujah, Jesus. We should all be able to tell about what God has done for us in our lives. And that if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, oh, where would we be? Amen? Praise God. We find in Romans chapter 1 where Paul gives a wonderful declaration. It's a testimony of a sort. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 13. And he says, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oft times I purpose to come unto you. And was hindered, that I might have some fruit in you also, even as in the rest of the Gentiles. I am debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you also that are in Rome. And I love this part. Pastor Roger preached on this his first sermon here. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is revealed a righteousness of God from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous shall live 
by faith. Amen. Praise God. Let us pray. Let's give God a hand slap. Praise God. That's good. It's always good to praise the Lord. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, as we bow our heads and reverence ourselves to you, dear God, Lord, we just want to lift up your name. We lift up the name of Jesus. We thank you, dear God, that you've allowed us all to assemble today, dear God, in this wonderful church. It's wonderful to see so many people here. We're all distanced out properly, and we got our mask on, and Lord, we're doing things wisely, for you did give us a sound mind, not a mind of fear. So, Lord, we just thank you that you're watching over us, that you're covering us with your feathers, and that you said, under my wings you can trust. Lord, we ask that you bless this entire church, all of the people who are here and at home watching, for we are in your presence where you say there's fullness of joy. We feel joy in our hearts, Lord, no matter what we're going through. And we have that peace of God that surpasses of all understanding. But we know that you are ours, praise God, and we are yours. And that everything's going to be all right because it's all in your unchanging hand. Lord, we just ask that you bless our entire nation. You know what we're about to go through, what we've been going through, the racial divisions, dear God, that are just abhorrent to you. Your word shows us that. Lord, bring us all together in love and harmony and peace, which is a a symbolic of you, dear God. And Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that when the elections come this week, Lord, let the right person live. Your word said it is God who lifts up kings and brings down kings. And we're to pray for the rulers that you have put before us. We trust in you, God. In God we do indeed trust. And Lord, we ask in Jesus' name one last thing. That you will keep us safe, O oh Lord, from all hurt, all harm, all danger. And Lord, we ask that you let no weapon formed against your people prosper. Lord, keep the COVID away. You've kept us so safe in the church here, Lord. And we thank you. We don't take it for granted. We've not lost one, Lord. So thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for blessing us and keeping us. And we just ask, dear God, that you will continue to do so. Let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart, may they be acceptable in thy sight, O God. For you, Lord, alone are our strength. You are our Redeemer. And for that we are so grateful. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And would you say amen? amen? Thank you. Hey, CTC family, I'm Bill, and here's this week's news. Last Saturday, we held our first ever community yard giveaway. We want to say a big thank you to all of you who donated items for the event, as well as those who volunteered. We were able to bless more than 100 people from our community. During the event, those who came donated a total of $400, which will be given to Family Promise Outreach. Thanks again to everyone who made this day a huge success. Time once again for us to gear up for the ministry of Operation Christmas Child. Shoe boxes are available in the mall today at the Bear Campus as well as at the Ellesmere Campus. The boxes have instructions inside for how to pack them as well as a way for you to follow your box all the way to its destination. We need families who will take a box and pack it for a child in need. We also need volunteers to help during drop-off week which begins November 16th. For more information on how to get involved, visit our website or our Facebook page. Ever since the dawn of creation, God has been reaching out to man to show his love for us. 
Perspectives on the World Christian Movement is a 15-week in-depth course that explores how God is working in the world right now. Each week, a different instructor will bring the textbook readings alive with their own experiences. If you're interested in this course, you can see Doug Kinnear. Stay tuned after this video to find out more about Perspectives. For more information on these and other events, visit our website at ctcde.net or go to our Facebook page. If you need prayer, you can call the church office at 302-836-2862 or text us at 888-344-1022. You can also email us at prayer at ctcde.net. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. God bless you and have a great week. Not just announcements. Serve others, and we give ourselves in service to others. life-changing love of Jesus. No, we haven't. and we engage. We engage the world with the message, the good news of Jesus Christ, as Pastor Vaughn 
referenced earlier in his scripture, I am not ashamed of the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, because that story, that message, that good news is the power of God for the salvation of the world. We need God in our world. I need God in my life, and I'm pretty confident you need God in your life, too. You wouldn't be here if God wasn't part of our lives, and uh, we need God. You know, so we engage the world with the good news of Jesus Christ in word and in deed in every way to do. And those announcements that we just saw are ways that you can participate with us in what God is doing in this in this world. So thank you for watching them and follow through with it, whether you're online or here uh, on, on, on this campus. Uh, give us some feedback. Let us know what you're willing to do and how to do that. Uh, another way that we serve God is by giving it's how we show God's. Uh, partly how we show God's love, and we have several ways that you can give. If you're watching online, you can give uh, online through our website, ctcde.net. Uh, go there. If you're here in the room, you certainly can give online as well, but we've got offering envelopes uh, that are here available for you to fill out. Place your offering in that, and there are baskets by the door as you leave today where you can place that. Also, we ask you to let us know how we can pray for you. Uh, you can do that online also, again, through the website, through the Connect card. We ask you to pick up the Connect card that's on the seat or on the table beside you and fill that out. If you're online, you go to ctcde.net, fill out the Connect card there. It's where we can have some conversation and we can we can uh, stay in touch, and we do pray for, for you uh, every week. And uh, we want to know what your prayer requests are. Let's take a moment now and, and give ourselves to God in prayer as we think about how God wants us to respond. If you're in the room, let me ask you to stand uh, with me as we pray, if you're able. And uh, the, lead, the team will continue to lead us in worship. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given to us. Thank you for the families who are here. Thank you for the families that are at home. And God, we give ourselves to you. We lift up our praises to you, an offering of praise to you. But God, we know that you ask us to give our whole selves to you. And so as in this act of worship, as we sing and as we think about uh, how we can share uh, you and our resources with you as a sign of faith, we ask your Holy Spirit to be upon us, to lead us in every way. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
many of you can just say thank you God for breaking the chains that held us bound for the sin that held us captive that we are free and we are free through everything that Christ did for us as he walked the earth as he was hung from the cross as he died for our sins but not only did he die he rose from the dead with all power in his hand Thank you, Jesus. Can we look to the Lord? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this beautiful, beautiful day that you have given us. You've given us brand new mercies, and and you've poured out your grace and your love upon us. You've allowed us to be in your presence So, Father God, we thank you because being in your presence means that you have your eyes on us, that you see us, that you protect us, that you cover us, that you love us. And being in your presence means that we can find unspeakable joy, that we can find comfort, that we find peace in your presence. We know that there's a lot of chaos and confusion in the world right now, Father, but you are in control. And being in your presence helps us understand that this trouble lasts only for a moment, that you have seen this world through to the end, and in the end you will reign, and in the end there will be no more sorrow. No more pain, no more confusion, no more chaos. There will be streets paved with gold. Last night, Elder Kinnear gave a testimony about a woman who almost left this physical realm to be with you through eternity. But it was not your will to call her home at that time, Father God. And when she opened her eyes... When she opened her eyes, she was able to say that she saw your face and your eyes were so beautiful. Father God, because you are beautiful, you are love, 
and you love us. So, Father God, as we exercise constitutional rights that really don't mean anything except here on this earth on Tuesday, we will go out and vote. We will go out and vote for the candidate that you placed on our hearts to vote for. And no matter who wins, we know that you are in control. So we thank you, Father God, for for giving us certain rights here on this earth. But these rights shall pass away. And what we have to be concerned about are our eternal privileges and eternal rights. So, Father God, help us to live for you. Help us to be your eyes, your hands, and your feet on this earth. Father God, we now turn to hear a word from you. Open our ears. Open our hearts. Let the scales fall away from our eyes as we hear from your messenger, the man of God that you have sent to this household of faith. We know that you gave him a word, and we know that he studied and prepared, and he wants to do this, and he's willing. We thank you, Father God, for making him able, because only you can make him able by the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. So we thank you in advance for that. And after the word, Father, we celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion. And that was the night that you shared your last earthly meal with your disciples. And so as we celebrate not only the suffering that you endured for us, we celebrate the love that you showed for us. So we thank you, Father God, for everything that you've done, that you're doing, and that you will do in our lives. In the matchless, marvelous, mighty, majestic name of Jesus Christ, who is our Savior, we lift our hands, we lift our hearts to you and say amen. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Pastor Vaughn. Good morning again. Can you hear me? We got it? Good. Good. Glad for that. And uh, The year 2020. Woohoo! Are you ready for some more surprises? Um, who knows? <laughs> and yet... And yet, here we are. You know, this is not the first election in our nation that has been controversial or has been risky or has, or, or has had so much stuff around it. Um, and perhaps you've, you've seen some of, some of the statistics and some of the stories. But back in 1800, now, 220 years ago, our system was tested even then. It was the election Thomas Jefferson and Aaron Burr were running mates against John Adams. And at that time, with the Electoral College, each electoral person uh, had two votes. That's because they were electing, uh, they would elect the president, but they weren't, the, 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 the president didn't select the vice president, the electors selected the vice president. And so they each had two votes, and whoever got the second highest number of votes was the vice president. So Aaron Burr and Thomas Jefferson were running mates. And then there was John Adams uh, to get to uh, going for the office of the president. 
The, first, the highest number of votes would be the president. The second number of votes would be the vice president. But this is how the election went out. Thomas Jefferson and Aaron Burr were tied with 73 electoral votes. John Adams received 65 electoral votes. So we still don't have an election because no one has the most number of votes. It goes to the House of Representatives, and they have to decide which of Thomas Jefferson or Aaron Burr is going to be president and which will be vice president. It took them 35 ballots, 35 tries in the House of Representatives to, to before either one of them, uh, the tie was broken. Can you imagine that? It's being in that room. Okay, we're going to take a vote now. Thomas Jefferson, raise their hands. I don't know how they did it. Aaron Burr, same number of people. Thirty-five times the tie was still in place. Nobody was changing their votes. Wouldn't you imagine yourself being in that room? Aren't you, aren't you going to say, come on, somebody, change your vote so we can go home? An election wasn't made until February 7th, 1801. That's a long time for them to wait for the election. Well, we're all a bit on edge in this election for good reason. And I want to encourage us today not to fear what comes. A few weeks, several weeks ago, we had a, a, an entire message series on fearing God. And that we, it was called fearless. So let me just remind you some of those things that we learned. As we go to the polls this week, we do not need to be fearful. Because we trust in God. Our trust is in God. So as you go, place your hope in God. Make your decision. <laughs> cast your ballot. But trust in God. I also want us to invite us to be in prayer for the elections. Some of us have already been talking about that this, this morning, how we need to be praying for, this, uh, for our nation and for this election. And I'm inviting you to join me in a 24-hour in, in period of fasting, a 24-hour fast. Let's start a fast on, let's eat supper on Monday night. But then after supper, we stop eating. That's going to be hard for me. <laughs> I like my late night snack. But let's begin our fast after supper. Continue the fast through breakfast on Tuesday. Uh, maybe you've already voted. If you've already voted, great. But maybe you can fast for us, for, for, for the rest of us who haven't yet voted. We go to the polls, cast our ballot. We don't eat breakfast. We don't eat lunch. And then we break our fast at the dinner time. And so we've fasted for 24 hours. This is a, long, this is a pattern of fasting that is, has been a, tr- a tradition for many Christians uh, for a long time. It's just one way of fasting. And I'm encouraging us to join together in this fast. That God might give each of us a clarity of, of our heart and mind to t- show us, Lord, how am I to vote? And that we might have peace with the vote that we, that we cast. And then as we, we learn the results, we need God in this nation. Because we know that however the vote goes, there are going to be people who are angry, upset, and and we don't know what's going to happen. And we need peace in this land. We also need to be praying, God, we want to be a nation that honors God. 
I don't know anybody that's going to any church that doesn't want to be a, a nation that, that, that honors God. So let's pray together in, in these things. That's my call to us this morning. As we pray together, you see uh, on, on the tables or on the seats is this, is this little card that looks like this. Uh, if you're watching online, I apologize for not having this uh, available online, but you can, it's nothing special. You can do it uh, yourself, um, just the questions, and we'll go through what's on this page. It's called Create a Prayer for Our Nation. And this, and I encourage if you've got children, if you're here today, go through this with the children or after our time together, go through it with your children and ask your children to to write their own prayer for our nation. So we're going to go through this this morning. But as our scripture message this morning, I want us to turn to another time when the king of Judah called on his people to fast together. Why? Because the nation needed God's help. So let's turn in our Bibles to Second Chronicles chapter 20 and, and read the story of Jehoshaphat. That's a great name to say, Jehoshaphat. Everybody say Jehoshaphat. It's, it's, it's fun. It just rolls right off the tongue. One of those Hebrew names, Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the king of the nation of Judah. And this is the nation that at that time was the nation that was surrounding the city of, uh, uh, of Jerusalem. It was, it was the, uh, uh, Jerusalem and the area around it, the king was Jehoshaphat. The kingdom of Israel was just north of that. And, and this is a couple generations after King David, who had, who had uh, uh, the people had come in and they had finally organized the nation of Israel. But as King David uh, uh, died and his son King Solomon took over and the kingdom of Israel expanded at that time. Not long, the, the, the generations that took over, things began to go sour. They began to uh, disobey the instructions of the Lord and things didn't go well. The kingdom of Israel got divided into two nations. The northern nation was continued to be called Israel. The southern nation, uh, still part of the of the people of Israel uh, was called Judah. And if you remember, Judah was one of the names of, uh, of Jacob's uh, sons, one of the 12 tribes. So Judah was the southern kingdom around the city and area of Jerusalem. Now, King Jehoshaphat desired to do as God instructed. So God looked favorably upon Jehoshaphat during his reign. And Let's, let's read. Uh, I'm going to have a couple of key verses on the screen. But we're going to start with Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, After this, the armies of the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Meunites declared war on Jehoshaphat. So three nations declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came. And told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is coming, is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They're already at Hezazan Tamar. This was another name for the area called En Gedi. Now Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news. And he begged the Lord for guidance. Jehoshaphat was afraid. This is an important thing. We just had this 
this series on fearless, but Jehoshaphat was experiencing his fear. And they get in that message, the series on being fearless. We didn't deny that fear is a reality in our lives. But what we don't want is to be controlled and led and guided and dictated by the fear that we're experiencing. God has something else for us to do. But here's this Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat. He felt the fear. He acknowledged the fear. He was terrified. But instead of allowing the fear to cause him to run away or to cause him to run right out into the battle and say, I'm going to get them. We're going to smash them down. He allowed his fear to take him to God. And that's one of the things that we as followers of Jesus need to learn. Yes, we're going to be afraid. Yes, we're going to be scared. But instead of taking all the might that we have, instead of taking all the money that we have, instead of taking all the resources that we have, and just dumping it and destroying the enemy, let's take a moment and say, hey, God, I need your help. And I get the sense that Jehoshaphat might not have been as calm as I was in saying that. (laughs) But he still had the self-discipline that instead of taking all the resources at hand and destroying and jumping right out and getting ahead of God, he said, God, I need your help. And so he went to God. He was terrified and he begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. And so people from all the towns of Judah came up to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. He knew that as the leader, he can't do anything alone. And if you've ever been in a leadership position, one of the most helpless feelings you have as a leader is knowing what needs to get done and your inability to accomplish it alone. So a leader has to look around, look back, look in front and say, are you willing to help me? And Jehoshaphat said, I need you to join me in this fast. Because this nation needs your help. So we're doing the same thing. Because our nation needs God's help. Fear. He did not reject his fear or deny his fear. He allowed his fear to take him to God. And he invited the people around him, those over whom he had influence, with him to go to God. And you have influence over somebody. Parents have influence over their children. You have influence with your neighbors. We can ask them, come, join us in this fast. We need to be praying for our nation. Let's look see what happens. Verse 5 says, Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem and in front, in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord, and he prayed, O Lord, our God of, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. So on your little paper, we've got these four things, these four questions that go along with with four aspects of this prayer. And the first the first section of this prayer is what I call the address. To whom are we speaking? To whom are we praying? Who is this person that we're making our prayer? So we have the address. So I've got the question on the paper. What name do you want to use to talk with God during this prayer? 
And if you're working with children, or if you think about it for a moment, who are you going to talk to? What are the names that we have for God in, in the Bible? Here's some of the names that we have for God in the Bible. We call God Lord. We call God, which Lord is, is, a, is an old term. We could substitute the word leader. Because we look at the old word Lord is somebody who has authority over somebody else and can tell them what to do. Isn't that what leaders do? And so we can call God Lord or leader, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, King of kings, Lord of lords, Almighty God, Eternal God, Most High God, God who sees me. That's a name that Hagar gave to God or referenced God. Hagar and Ishmael when when they were cast away from Abraham and they were thinking, they were knowing that they both were going to die and the Lord sent a messenger to them. Hagar said, you are the God who sees me. It's the name of God. Shepherd, provider, healer, God, our peace. Jehovah Shalom is the Hebrew word for that. The God who is here, Jehovah Shammah, our Savior. I am the great I am. The Hebrew word Yahweh sounds like breathing. God who gives us breath. Who are you talking to in this prayer so you can be creative? Oh, God, this is who I'm talking to. And Jehoshaphat said, oh, Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. He addressed God. The second thing he did is he gives some kind of description about who this God is. He gives an, he acknowledges God's character and God's qualities. And so in our prayer, we want to take some time to say, God, you are the one who is something like that. And so I ask the question, how would you describe God? What has God done for us? Example might be who is all powerful. You love all people. You sent Jesus to forgive all our sins. You are our savior. And this is what Jehoshaphat says. He says, you are the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty and no one can stand against you. That's a description of who he's talking to. Oh, our God. Now he gets to the third part. Well, no, he's still describing. Let's stick with the second part. Verse seven says, oh, our God. Did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people arrived, when your people Israel arrived here? He's remembering what God has done in history so that he can gain courage for this moment in the present. We need to do that. We need to remember what God has done for us, what God has done for others. Did you hear the testimony that Fran talked about in her prayer? Maybe it was the first time you heard it. You didn't quite catch everything she said, so let me, let me tell that story a little bit. Doug Kinnear, one of our lay elders in our church, had gone to visit a friend in upstate New York. A friend was, uh, and, and on the way there, he had gotten a phone call, or I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm conflating two stories. Of, uh, anyway, he was talking about a, a woman who is 98 years old, a believer in Jesus. She was in the hospital. She was close to dead. They weren't quite sure what was going to happen. She had her eyes closed and they thought she had died. And all of a sudden she opened her eyes and what she said she experienced was what Fran was talking about. As her eyes were closed, she said, I saw the eyes of Jesus. 
And she asked this question, do you know how beautiful are the eyes of Jesus? (laughs) And as I was looking in the eyes of Jesus, I could see that there were other people around. And those other people were pleading with me, come on, it's okay. You can come here with us. And I looked at those people and I said, I'm not ready. (laughs) And in that moment, she found herself back in her body here and she opened her physical eyes and she saw her family around her. And she says, you can't imagine how beautiful Jesus' eyes are. What a lovely testimony. And in that moment, she was remembering and she was recounting her experience with God, with Jesus, and sharing it with others. That's what God's asking us to do in moments like these. And when we pray together, we can, we can describe who God is. And God, you are the one that I saw when I was on my deathbed. And I said, I'm not ready to go back. And you sent me back to my body. <laughs> So I could tell my family how beautiful are the eyes of Jesus. Jehoshaphat said, Oh God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land? And he described. And verse 8 says, Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. And they said, Whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague, or famine... We can come and stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. Honor the name of the Lord. And we can cry out to you to save us. And you will hear us. And you will rescue us. Step three is the, is the, uh, I've lost the word of my, ask. (laughs) How can I forget that word? We need to make it clear, God, we're asking something of you. And I want you to, in your prayer for our nation, I want you to take a moment and think about what are you asking God to do for our nation? What is it? What is it that the Lord is laying on your heart to pray for our nation? I think of uh, uh, Debbie this morning as, as you know, the... Uh, everybody who volunteers at Christ the Cornerstone at 8:05, we gather here in this room, and we we make a great big circle, and we're we're this far apart from each other, and uh, we have some time to pray, and and so we did that this morning as we prayed together, about 20 of us. And by the way, if you're ready to get back and serve God by volunteering and helping us greet people, helping us get ready for worship, helping us do this. We're ready for you to come and help us. <laughs> so if somebody calls you and says, would you, would you, would you do this? Uh, listen to God seriously. We're wearing our masks. We're doing what is right. I, I saw all the, uh, I saw all the, this is an aside sermon. I saw all the families walking around the neighborhood last night trick-or-treating, and I thought, okay, if people are getting out trick-or-treating, let's get people out to come back to church. We need to be together. As we're doing this. And so I'm so grateful for you who are here. And, you know, we're always going to have our online ministry. And that is great. But you can't replace the personal touch, the eye contact that we have with each other. So anyway, that's, that's part of my prayer. Lord, in our nation, take this COVID away so that we can freely free us from this burden of this disease, of this illness, of this virus. Lord. We need your help. Maybe you'll put that in your prayer. 
We need to ask of God and be specific with what God is asking. And, and I know that in this illustration of Jehoshaphat, his ask is not very specific, but then it is, it is specific. God, we need your help. <laughs> As he saw this army coming at him. And he says in verse 10, And now see what the armies of, the, of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let your, our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt, so they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us, for they've come now to throw us out of our land, which you gave us as an inheritance. So here's, here's what's happened. This is the history of Israel. As the people of Israel came out of Egypt, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And finally, God say, said, it's now it's time to go into the land that I've promised to Abraham. But here are these nations over here. In order to get into your land, you have to go through or have to go through that land. But I don't want you to disturb those nations. So instead of going through their land, I want you to go around your land because I'm preserving them and I'm honoring them. And so the Israelites, as they entered into the promised land, they went around these other nations. But it was these other nations that were the very nations now that were coming to threaten Judah. And so Jehoshaphat is remembering that. But now they're coming to throw us out of our land, even though we recognized and honored them and we didn't bother them. But now they're coming to throw us. Our God won't you stop them? There's a prayer. There's an ask. We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. And we don't know what to do but <laughs> to look to you for our help. You ever been there in your life yet? Thank you. I love that little laugh. That was a testimony. <laughs> There's a comes a point in everybody's life, everyone's life, when we cry out to God. I remember those moments when I was absolutely at the end. And I remember sitting in an apartment all by myself one time, just slumping down onto the floor in the entryway saying, God, I don't know what to do with this. I need your help. It's one of those moments when I'm beside myself. You're Fathers get beside themselves in those moments. Lord, you gave me this child to take care of. What in the world do I do? Lord, my child is sick. I cannot help my child. What am I supposed to do? God, I need your help. That's a prayer. That's a prayer. And God's people need to be calling out to Him for our nation. And the final part of our prayer is an, to aspire. An aspiration. What do we hope for? And let's make this a statement of thanking God as we, as we call about that, we, that for which we hope because we are speaking to the one who is our hope. And he will bring about what he desires for us as we commit ourselves to him. So have a statement in your prayer, some kind of an acknowledgement, a statement of aspiration. God, thank you for bringing this out. Thank you for ending COVID. Thank you for the peace that we can have as brothers and sisters, children of God, all people who are created in the image of our loving God. Doesn't matter what color the skin or what religion. God loves all people. And we want to live in a land where all people are respected and loved and given, given a chance. 
and opportunity in a peaceful place. God, we want this. Thank you, God, for bringing justice to us. Your justice. Justice that goes beyond what even the laws of our land can accomplish. Because we know that in the law, there, <laughs> the law has no mercy. The law is there to just, to, to just enforce the law. And there are times when the law has to, doesn't apply in this situation as it does in this situation. We need God's mercy. Lord, we need your help. Thank you, God, for giving us hope in you. Because there is not any one of us, there's none of us, <laughs> not one of us, has the perspective that God has on this world. So who are we? to ultimately judge what is right in God's eyes. Let's trust God. Let's place our hope in God in whom we trust. We aspire to what God desires and we look to you for help. Okay, that's the pattern of prayer. My invitation to you is to take that, share it with your children, do it for yourself, I don't care, but engage one another in this process. And let's fast together as we go to the polls. But now, before we end, we've got to see what happens to Jehoshaphat. This is a great story. So they came. The enemies were coming. I'm just going to go ahead and read it. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. I'm, if you're following along, I'm at verse 20 in chapter 20. Second Chronicles. Judah went out to the wilderness to call. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said to his people, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. This is going to be a fight and we've got to go with it, trusting God and to be ready. Okay, so they're ready. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. And after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him. That's part of that aspiration. God, we know you're the victor. You're going to go with us. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. We know who you are. We know what you do, God. And we thank you for doing it because your love will endure. For all all of the things fail, your love will endure. At every moment they began, at that very moment they began to sing and give praise to the Lord. Listen to this. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. Judah comes over the hilltop. We're ready. Here are all these three armies together coming against us. And we come over the hilltop, we're singing praises to God. Enter your battles giving praise to God, people. (laughs) We come over hilltop, we're ready to fight. We've got our shields up, we've got our spears on, we've got our loins girded. And we look out. And we say, what is that chaos? They're not even looking at me. 
They're fighting with one another. Let's keep reading. The armies of Moab, this is verse 23, the armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began to attack each other. And so when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of them escaped. The battle was the Lord. We're going to go back to a verse. Because before they had done that, while they were praying in the community, the Holy Spirit came upon one of the men and he stood up and he spoke these words. And we're going back to verse 15. He says, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, King Jehoshaphat, listen. This is what the Lord is saying. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty arm because the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not ours, but God's. There are so many forces at work in our nation right now. The battle is not ours. We have to do our part. We have to go vote. We have to pray. Fast. Go vote. But let the battle be the Lord's. And when all things, when everything is done, remember the faithful love of the Lord never ends and is there for us to participate in, to share with one another, to help one another, to serve one another. This is our task. These are our weapons. Let's go to God. Let's go to the polls. In God we trust. Let's pray together. We're here this morning to take communion. And we think, you'll talk about the battle being the Lord's. Remember our Lord Jesus as He did for us gave His life so that we could know peace, forgiveness, and new life forever. That night before He was betrayed, Pastor Vaughn, you can come on over here. Jesus took the bread. I'm getting ahead of myself. This is a battle that Jesus faced. It was a spiritual battle. It was a physical battle. I suspect Jesus as a human being was was full of fear. God, God, I need your help. And he prayed. That night with his disciples, he took the bread. They were having supper together and Jesus broke the bread. He said, my friends, this is my body that is given for you. For new life. And when the supper was over, he took the cup and he gave thanks to God. Thank you, God, for this pain that I'm going to experience, for this battle that I'm entering into. Thank you, God, because I know that you're going to work good in it, through it. You're going to bring life out of it, God. I have that trust in you, God, because you're so much greater than I am. Jesus said, I trust in you.
gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this. This is my blood that is spilled for you for the new covenant, for the forgiveness of sins, for the resurrection of the body. God, we ask you to pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, upon those who are gathered here, whether they're at home or here. We ask you to bless these simple gifts of bread and juice, that they may be for us your body and your blood poured out, shared with us, shed for us, that we may receive them. We will receive your power, your forgiveness, your love, that we may be for the world who you are. Thank you the body of Christ, redeeming this world. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to encourage you, if you're at home, if you've gathered together some uh, some bread or wine and some juice, uh, to, to serve one another uh, this sacrament this morning. And uh, if you're in the room, you've got little cups. Uh, there's, a, there's a wafer there for you to peel off and take the wafer and peel the foil off. Uh, and, and drink the juice that's there. You may serve yourselves at your tables or at your chairs. If you would like to come forward to receive this bread, Pastor Vaughn and I will be glad to serve you up here. I want to encourage you to, to pray while others, while you're serving and, and others are receiving it this morning as the, as the uh, singers lead us in worship. Let's uh, share this sacrament together and pray with God.
Hallelujah, brothers and sisters. I may be mistaken, but I think we had church today. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is in this house today. Praise God. Do you feel it? Hallelujah. I can hardly stand still. Praise God. We thank Pastor Roger for this wonderful message he gave today. I'm glad to hear a pastor call for fasting. And I'm glad we have leaders in some of the countries that do that. But some churches don't do that anymore. And I hope this goes out across the airways and they see that we do that here at Christ the Cornerstone Church. Thank you, Pastor Roger. Thank you very much. And we want to thank our wonderful, I call them choir, but I've been told praise group. But they do indeed usher us into the presence of the Lord. He says, come into my presence with singing. Can they sing? Hallelujah. It's, it's the Lord. I hear you, Dad. So, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for filling us with this wonderful spirit that we have right now of you. We've been enriched by being in the presence of God, both at home and here in his manifest presence. And church is nothing like being here, as Pastor Roger said. We're being careful. We're being safe. We're wearing our mask until we get up here. And we're just being very, very safe. So feel free to come here. And also, those at home, that's fine. God is everywhere. Amen? He's omnipresent. There's nowhere he's not. So he's blessing you where you are also. Can we take this wonderful feeling that we have right now, the wisdom that the word of God has put in our hearts, and share it with those that we encounter as we go out into the world again? Praise God. Hallelujah. And may the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in God's sight. Remember always, he is our strength. He alone is our redeemer. And we thank him for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Go out and tell the world Jesus loves them. Praise God.